This message comes to you from City Bible Church in Portland, Oregon, where we are committed to living like Jesus and sharing His love. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. How many enjoy the Christmas season? Isn't it just a, a special time? And I know that uh, you know, for so many people, it is a, a challenging time, but even in the midst of the challenge, it's just so refreshing to know that there's something beyond the challenge, and His name is Jesus. And, uh, you know, we've, we've been in this series um, over the last couple of weeks, uh, and the series has been entitled, All I Want for Christmas Is. And we're trying to push aside all of the hustle and bustle, all of the challenges, all of the pressures, all the things that we have to do, and to help us recognize that there's something beyond our wants called our needs. And so we've been asking this question of ourselves, what do we want for Christmas? What is it that we really want in this season? And we're helping um, ourselves to understand that oftentimes what we're wanting isn't necessarily what we really need. And we're trying to help ourselves understand that really what we need is what we should really want. And again, once we push aside all of the challenges and we come to this one revelation and it's that what we all really need is Jesus in our lives. More than anything, in every situation, in all that we do, in all that we are, what we need at the center part of our lives is Jesus. And because... Jesus is all we really need. He should be all that we really want. And so we started a couple of weeks ago by talking about our wants and needs. And we looked at the story of the wise men and also King Herod. And when we talked about that story, we found that King Herod spent his life pursuing all of his wants and ultimately never got anything he really needed And we saw the wise men, they pursued everything that they needed and ultimately got everything that they wanted to kick off the series to help us understand what that really looked like for us. And then we uh, last week talked about all that I want for Christmas is his love. And uh, Pastor Walter did an amazing job other than his little challenge with his big wheel um, to just talk about that, you know, God's love reaches the most uh, undeserving places and the most undeserving people. And that no matter where you're at, no matter what you've done, no matter who you are, that God's love extends to you in your situation. That's a very comforting thought. And so this morning, we're going to just take one more step, and we're going to look at this phrase, all I want for Christmas is his peace, his peace. And this morning, we're going to take a look at a portion of Scripture in Isaiah chapter 9. If you have your Bibles or a smartphone you want to open up, or even if you want to open up your notes, we send those out to everybody that texts the word notes to 313131. But it's this, it's this portion of Scripture in Isaiah 9 that's written by a guy named Isaiah, who's a prophet, and he had been a prophet for about 60 years during the reign of all different kinds of rulers. There were good rulers and evil rulers, and in this particular time where this scripture is written, it's a very dark, oppressive, volatile time in the history of Israel. 
There's a man that's running uh, the nation at this time, a ruler. His name is King Ahaz. Ahaz is a very ungodly man. He does very ungodly, vile things. Uh, He worshiped many different kinds of idols, and everything that Israel stood for in its values and morals were eroded away. Sounds a lot like America today. And it's in the context of this particular word, we would call it a messianic prophecy, meaning it's a prophetic word that God speaks to a man regarding the coming Messiah about Jesus. And it's during one of the darkest times that God brings one of the brightest words of hope and peace. And in verse six, it says this. It says, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. It was a word spoken to people that were missing peace. It was spoken to a people that didn't have much hope. It was a a very uncertain time. It was a word that they grabbed a hold of that was beyond their circumstance that kind of gave them the peace to endure what was happening around them because of the hope that would come and live within them. Follow me. And it would take 700 years for the fulfillment of that prophecy. 700 years later, Jesus would come. He would come in the form of a man. He would be born to a virgin in Bethlehem. And he would bring with him peace for every single one of us today. And what we're going to take a look at today is to recognize that the peace that was in Jesus when he came 2,000 years ago is the same peace that's available for you today. When we just stop and we look around us, it's hard to find it. We look at what's happening in San Bernardino, what just happened in Paris. When we look at the Syrian refugee crisis with millions of people being displaced. When we look at the moral wars and the decline that we're facing, it's an oppressive time in the natural. But the encouraging part about this word is that the peace that came 2,000 years ago is the peace that's available for you and me today despite what we face, despite what's going on around us, despite the challenges that are in front of us, that Jesus comes to be our peace. Peace isn't some kind of an external emotion. It's not just some fact or truth. Peace is Jesus. Peace came in the form of a person. And when we look at what Jesus is trying to communicate to us, as we look at this scripture and we look at this prophecy that he would come and be the prince of peace to us, that he would actually not just come to bring it, but that he would be it. And because Jesus is our peace, when we ask Jesus to come live inside of us, there's something that comes with him in the form of a person, Jesus. We have peace in our lives that is internal, it is eternal, it is significant, it resides within us despite what is happening around us. Thank you, we've got three people excited about that. Come on, listen to me. 
Here's what Jesus said, John 14, 27. Later end of his earthly ministries, he says, I'm leaving you peace. And I'm giving you my peace. I don't give you the kind of peace that the world gives. That's interesting. He's saying that the world attempts to give you things that you would perceive as peace. He's saying the peace that I'm giving you is not like that. You can't find it in things. You can't find it in any way, in any form, in a shape that the world has to offer you. So many people today are looking for peace in every other place other than Jesus. And he's trying to help us say, you will never find it there. The New Living Translation says it this way. He says that he comes to give you a gift peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give you is a gift the world cannot give. He's saying, it's not circumstantial. It's, it's not something that's external. We spend our life trying to go grab things and thinking that somehow, some way, if we grab something and bring it to us, or if we possess something, or we have some kind of platform or position or identity, if we can just get that, we can have peace. And what he's saying, that you'll spend your whole life trying to find it there, and you never will. Let me ask you a question this morning. Do you have constant, unwavering, ongoing peace? Maybe you have it in a lot of areas, but maybe there's one area or two areas, a relationship, a job situation, a, a spousal issue, marital issue, children. I mean, is there, is there some areas in your life that are just somewhat disruptive or a little bit uncomfortable at this time? My prayer is this morning as we talk that you'll find that Jesus wants to invade every area of your life to bring you that peace that we all so desperately need in all aspects of our life. And you know, G Jesus knew this. He knew that life would be tough. The reality is there's not a person here today that doesn't face or won't face a trial or a tragedy or a setback or a disappointment. That's called life. We live in a broken, fallen world. Jesus knew that. So Jesus comes to speak this to us that despite what we're facing, we can have his peace. It's interesting, a, a, a statistic that just came out regarding a study in America found that 85% of all people in America say that they have little or no peace in their life on an ongoing basis. 85%. It's staggering to me. And so Jesus comes to say, hey, listen, I'm going to show you a way that you can have peace that's constant, that's internal, that's unwavering, that's an inner peace that you can have no matter what you face. And we got to come to this place where we realize that true peace doesn't mean that trials are absent. It means that Jesus is present. So if we think somehow, some way that we're going to finally have peace when trials are gone, you'll spend your whole life waiting for the rainbow that will never exist. 
True peace is not in the absence of trials, but simply recognizing that Jesus is present. And so it's this heart attitude, it's a faith attitude, and peace simply means this. It's, it's the heart attitude that is unaffected by circumstances. It's unaffected by adversity or by troubles. And it's free from anxiety and useless worrying. The antithesis to peace is worry, is anxiety. And so we want to look this morning at maybe just a couple stair steps. We talk about the Prince of Peace, and in this season, this is what we need for Christmas, if you will. We have to start with this thought that our peace is in Jesus because we are in Jesus. Please listen just ever so clearly, carefully this morning, even those that would be listening online. His peace is available to everyone but not everyone experiences his peace. Because it starts, first of all, recognizing that peace starts through the cross. The only way that you can have the peace of Christ is to first have peace with Christ. There's no way for you to experience as a person true peace outside of a personal relationship with Jesus. It's a contradiction of terms. And Jesus made it very clear that at the cross, the way that we start this this seed when it comes into us to live inside of us, Jesus, when we say we are born again, we ask him to forgive us of our sins, we open up our heart to come live in us, Jesus comes And he also brings the peace. It comes in a seed form. You can only have peace with Christ by having that relationship. But listen, you you gotta take it one step further again because it comes in a seed form. And this is where a lot of Christians today, I believe, are challenged is that they have Christ in their heart but they still live a life of anxiety or worry because it's not just enough to have Jesus live in us but we need to live in him. So we have to live life in the Holy Spirit. And so when we ask Christ to come live inside of us, and that peace seed, if you will, comes and lives in us, we now have to do our part to walk according to the Spirit, that we need to walk in the Spirit. We need to be led by the Spirit. We need to recognize that God has principles and values and truths that he's established for us to live by. And if we can live in the Holy Spirit and follow his word the best of our ability, we find that the greater that we walk in the Spirit, the greater the peace we live in. When we get out of alignment, is where we begin to feel confusion or anxiety or worry simply because we got out of the will of God and God allows those feelings and emotions simply to push you back under the canopy of his grace where peace resides. And so it's impossible for us to say we're Christians and live a carnal life. And a lot of times when we begin to see that there's a lack of peace in our life, It may simply be that our energies and our focus is simply on the wrong things. 
D.L. Moody once was asked, he said, if God was going to come back in 30 minutes, what would you be doing right now? He goes, so that'd be easy. I'd be finished eating my steak. And this, this, this amazing evangelist, this 19th century evangelist was really making a statement. He went on to just simply say this. He says, because I live totally for him, I have peace whether I'm here today or gone tomorrow. I'm just, I live in his peace. I live in the moment. I live in his presence. I live for him. So no matter what happens to me, around me, nothing can rob from me his peace. No matter what's going on in me. And so we start by recognizing, okay, peace comes in the form of Jesus. We ask Jesus into our life. He comes in seed form. We then begin to walk in the spirit and we realize that in that moment that we take what we have in our life and we put everything into his hands. The more that you can let go of and put into his hands, the more peaceful your life will be. Here's here's one of the greatest revelations that we all could possess. God's in control and we're not. We think that we have more control, but it creates the opportunity for more disappointment, more anxiety, more stress, more pressure, because we actually think that we are in control of what happens to us or for us. And again, there's a personal responsibility piece that we all face in walking out our life. But the reality is, is that we have to realize that everything is in God's hands. Listen to what Psalm 7, 1, verse two, uh, verses 1 and 2 says. This is the message paraphrase. I like this. David says this, God, God, he says, I'm running to you for dear life. I love that. Here's a guy, again, that's just recognizing everything that's in front of him, but really that nothing is in his control. He says, I'm running to you for dear life. The chase is wild. If they catch me, I'm finished. Ripped to shred by foes, fierce as lions, dragged into the forest and left unlooked for, unremembered. He's simply saying, if I'm not running to you in every moment, the rest is just pure chance. I'm gonna just land in his hands. And when we come to that place, we gotta realize that when we leave all in his hands, this is what we're saying to him. I trust you with my all. Now, this, this is all has to do with peace. Because if we're holding on to something as it's our own, it's the greatest opportunity for anxiety and stress. When we put it all in his hands and we say, this is all yours, it gives him the opportunity to bring peace in exchange in the transfer. And I think about that. I I think of, you know, as I talk to people in my own life, the areas maybe where I would struggle to have peace, I realize I'm trying to fix something or trying to control something or trying to adjust something. And it might be something in my life where I'm just going, man, I just don't like that. And I just want to do this, whether it's a, a relational challenge or a staff issue or finance. I just realize, God, I'm trying too hard. Listen, I want this, but really at the end of the day, you're God, I'm not, I'm putting it in your hands, I'm letting go, I'm trusting in the Lord with all my heart and my things, and I'm putting them at your feet. And when we push it at his feet, another thing that happens, it gives him the opportunity to be victorious for you. I mean, you, you think about it, you, you, you think about a guy named Jehoshaphat. 
And here's a guy that was facing this incredible army. He's worried about what's gonna happen. And the Lord comes and speaks to him in 2 Chronicles 20, 15. He says, this is what the Lord says to you in this moment. He says, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged by this mighty army. He says this, for the battle is not yours, but mine. You're trying to fight a battle that isn't yours. And the more that you try to fight it, again, you look at what was going on. He had anxiety. He had fear. He had worry. Oh my gosh, where's God? I have doubt. And he says, stop it. Put the battle in my hands. Exodus 14, you see that with Moses. I mean, Moses comes and he's worried about the Pharaoh's army and what's gonna happen. Here's this army, the sand of the seas, and it's just these little sheepish Israelites. In Exodus 14, the Lord comes and speaks to Moses and says this, the Lord will fight for you. All that you need to be is still. In other words, just allow me to be your protection, to be your guard, to be your rear guard, to be your fortress, to be your ever-present help in time of need, to be that person. That doesn't mean that the trials go away. It simply just gives God the opportunity to bring you peace because you put everything at his feet. You can't change it anyways, and it takes the same amount of calories to worry about it as it does to pray about it. And here, here's the other thing is that, that when you leave all in his hands, you have peace because you know what? You recognize it's no longer your battle. He said, cast your cares on me because I care for you. In other words, give it to me, Jesus says. He says, my, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Yoke up with me. Let me carry the weight. And when we finally just push all of that stuff aside, we position ourselves to do life right. But you know, the reality is, is the storms still come. How many of you here um, have ever been to Disneyland? Come on, you've been to Disneyland once or twice, going, wow, that's a great transition, Mark. Um, how many have ever um, read or rode the, um, the Jungle Cruise? Now, now, I remember the Jungle Cruise. I grew up kind of around the Disney family and went to Disneyland a lot. But I, I remember the very first time in my mind that I went on the Jungle Cruise. I was four years old. I remember very vividly coming around the corny, corner and there was the Tiki Room. And to the right was a little store with piles of skulls. Anybody remember the stores? They got all the skulls there. And you, you walk in there and all of a sudden you start hearing gorillas and you start hearing noises in the jungle and you hear gunshots. And there's this little place where people are waiting in line to go into this place of doom. I mean, it's just, and, and I remember my mom trying to talk me into the jungle cruise. I'm going, no, I don't want to go. I'm going to die. No, Marco, it's okay. It's all pretend. I'm going, no, but you don't hear it. There's guns and lions and tigers and bears. Oh my, you know? And, and so finally we get onto the boat and I'm just crying. I'm just, and the, finally the guy doesn't help me out. He's, you'll never come back. <laughs> and he, 
takes off down there and then there's gorillas and he stops and he's shooting at hippos. And oh my gosh. And there's gorillas and cannibals that are gonna eat us. And they finally come around the corner to realize I made it back safe. I mean, it was, it was a wild ride, but at the end of the day, I, I made it back. It wasn't as bad as I thought. And I think about my little journey with the Jungle Cruise. And it gives me greater compassion for the disciples that were stuck in the boat with Jesus. So easy to, to mock them a little bit about them whining and crying about a wave and a storm and Jesus is in the boat. I mean, can't you guys get it? Don't you see Jesus is with you? But I realize that, that in this one story, there's, there's a couple thoughts here I wanna leave with you today that as we recognize, okay, Jesus is peace. He comes and lives inside of us. We're supposed to give him everything that we have and put it at his feet and it's his battle. Okay, got that check. Now we move into life and we walk into a thing called storms. We all have them. And it says this in Mark 4, 35 through 39, in your Bible, speaking about this storm, and there's some key pieces here that Jesus wants us to see this morning. It says, on the same day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. You may want to underline that in your Bible. It's a promise before the circumstance. Now, when they had left the multitudes, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. We never hear about what happened with the other little boats. It says, And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he rose, rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Chapter 5, verse 1 says this. And then they came to the other side. He started by saying, we're going to the other side. Life happens in between. They make it to the other side. As we start life and we look at life, God says, these are my promises. Life happens. We get to the end and we realize that his promises were all true after all. Here's some things when I read this story that I get from myself. The first thing I recognize as I read this story is that God's in control of all my storms. When you read this story, it's evident that Jesus has authority over all things. He's either created it or allowed it. In either case, he's in control of it. And it says that a great windstorm arose and waves beat into the boat. Listen, life is filled with windstorms and waves your boat will oftentimes be filled with things you didn't ask for. You're getting wet when you don't want to. And we see the story begin to unpack that waves happen, life happens. And we learned this though, 
that no matter how big your storm is, and listen, some of you in here are facing some incredible storms. But no matter how big your storm is, remember this in the story. Jesus is in your boat. We have to change our philosophy, our faith, our confession to say, I'm not going to necessarily tell God how big my storm is. I'm going to start telling my storm how big my God is. And unfortunately, when you look at this story, they they were thinking the opposite. So God's in control of my storms. Here's another thing I see is that that God is in the storm with you. We read about the waves and the storms and we see all the pictures. And what we recognize here, it says, but Jesus, verse 38, but Jesus was in the stern. He was in the boat. Did they not forget that this miracle worker, this storm whisperer, this water walker was in the boat with them? I saw a bumper sticker the other day. It said this. It says, don't worry about everything around you. That's my job. Signed, Jesus. I love that. See, they lost sight of the solution, therefore their problem became greater. The more that you focus on your problem, the dimmer the solution becomes. I often tell people when they're all stressed out, I said, stress is simply an indicator that your eyes are focused on the wrong thing. He's in your boat. And just, listen, just because he's silent in your circumstance doesn't mean he's absent. God, why aren't you talking? Because I don't want to. I'm God. I can be quiet. But I need an answer now. No, you don't. I'm God. Taking a little nap right now. And when we look at what's happening here, we realize that Jesus is just trying to show them this this incredible principle is simply just lean into me and enjoy the ride. There's something that I'm doing in this situation right now. You'll know as you get back from it a little bit further down the road that I had everything under control, but right now, simply I need you just to Stay with me. I remember uh, years and years ago, we, we uh, used to go camping all the time as a family. And my two daughters at that time, and we had just adopted one of the boys, we, we went camping at this place called Woods Lake. Woods Lake is in the mountains of Lake Tahoe, way outside by Kirkwood, California. It's about 8,500, 9,000 feet, very, very remote little lake. It's the uh, mosquito capital of the world. I mean, if you ever want to go there, these, they, they, they look like bats. I mean, they're just huge. But. And we were camping, and this one night, about midnight, there was one of the most horrific lightning storms I've ever experienced. The Sierra Nevada mountains would be known for having horrific lightning storms, up to 10,000 strikes in a 24-hour period. And we happened to be bunkered down around this hill and the storm came in and the lightning strikes and thunder were happening all around us. It wasn't like 
You, you see the bright go, one thousand, two, one thousand, three. It's kind of, I mean, it's just like they were right there. There's no seconds. And all of a sudden, the girls get out of the tent, and they come running in. Oh, my gosh. And they lay next to me, and they're just kind of, listen, I didn't have an answer. So we sat there all night, and it just kept going. It was kind of fun, and they didn't know I was as scared as them. When they got up in the morning, there's these two little wet spots, and I rolled over and realized there were four that I actually wet my pants too, you know. And so, but, but the, <laughs> I don't know if that's true or not. It just sounds, sounds like it would fit good here, you know, but. But you know it was just enough for them? is just to know that they were with me. Didn't have an answer why that was happening or how many more would happen. They just settled in next to their dad. There's something that is very meaningful in the midst of a trial or a tragedy that forces us once again to recognize that God just wants us closer to him that we would trust him, we would depend on him, we would love him. He may not give you all the answers, but listen, he'll give you all the love. It's the kind of God that we serve. Here's another thing I learned from this story, is that God is working on you in the storm. It's interesting when you think about storms, if God truly is in control of all things, He already knew that you were going to face something before it happened. Either he was an initiator of it, or for some reason he allowed it to happen. And in there is the mystery of God that none of us can fully comprehend. Why do bad things happen to good people? I mean, it's it's one of these mysteries. But despite it, we recognize that in it all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And the older you get, you begin to see more of the master crafting of God's hand on your life in your situations. I mean, these these disciples, they they, they cry out Matthew, or excuse me, Mark 4.38, they go, do you not care we're perishing? I mean, it kind of sounds like us a lot, huh? Oh, God, where are you? Come on. Why, this isn't fair. Why'd you do this to me? And again, I'm not, I'm in no way trying to minimize the real pain of stuff that we go through. But even in the midst of that, we realize that God's at work doing something in the midst of it all. He might be working on our character. He might be working on our dependence. He might be doing things to break off bad habits. He might be saving you from something else that maybe you shouldn't be doing. Maybe you wanted this relationship and it falls apart. God, where are you? She was the one. Well, maybe not. Or maybe this job, I knew what was it. Maybe not. Only to find out later on down the road that God was at work doing something in the midst of the storm working on you. This is what 1 Peter 4.12 says. This is the message paraphrase. It says this, friends, when life gets really difficult, don't jump to the conclusion that God isn't on the job. Instead, be glad 
when you are in the very thick of what Christ experienced. This is a spiritual refining process. New King James says it this way. It says, think it not strange when fiery trials come upon you as if some strange thing is happening to you. Obviously, God's at work bringing forth his glory. And when we put our problems into his hands, he brings and puts the peace in our heart. But here's, here's where I really want you to just, to just hear this, and I'm almost done. God can bring peace in your storm. Why? Because Jesus is in your boat. He's in your life. Mark 4.39, it says, Then he arose and he rebuked or he commanded or took authority over the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. If there's ever a word for this time and this age and this hour and what we're facing, is these very words to us. He says, peace, be still, I have everything under control. And this morning he speaks peace to your marriage challenge. He speaks peace to the sickness or the disease in your body, to your finance situation, some of the relational or family dynamics in this season. You don't have to go through it again with all the emotions. He's saying, listen, I want to come and put upon you this morning his peace despite what you're facing. He wants to speak it over your life. See, because the world can create trouble in your peace, but it's God who creates peace in your trouble. If we just simply allow him to. I finish with this one thought, and again, I, I know that all of us, if we were to just be real honest and to write down some thoughts or ideas of some of the things that we're struggling or facing, I want to bring you to this one point here. And I want you to hear this loud and clear. Is that God will bring you through your storm. God will bring you through your storm. Mark 5.1, it says, Then they came to the other side. If I could speak to you this morning, here's the good news. You're going to the other side. Listen, you're going to the other side. The jungle cruise is now over. You're going to the other side. You know, every storm has an ending. We, we look at Hurricane Katrina. We look at all the devastation, very real devastating storms. You know what happened to Katrina? It had an end. Your storm has an ending. Jesus is in your boat. He's with you. He's working in you. 
He's helping you. He's in your corner. This morning, we just have to say, all I want for Christmas is his peace in my life. And the beauty is, it's available for all of us. Would you bow your head and close your eyes this morning? I wanted to, first of all, just give an opportunity, anybody in this place that maybe walked in here this morning and you recognize that peace is absent simply because peace, meaning Jesus, is not in you. It's not enough to believe in Jesus. It says that even the devil believes and trembles. It's not a belief issue, it's a relationship issue. The only way you will ever experience peace of Christ is to first of all have peace with Christ. And if you have not asked Christ into your heart to be your Lord and Savior, I I wanna give you that opportunity this morning, whoever you are, whether you're listening online anywhere on the world or sitting in this room, If you've not done that, it's a real simple thing. Jesus just simply said, if we confess with our mouth that he's Lord and believe in our heart, Bible says that we we can be saved. We can be born again. He forgives us. He lives inside of us. And if that's you this morning, you said, Pastor Mark, I, I want to do that this morning. I want to ask Christ into my heart. Would you just simply lift your hand up right now? Just, just put it up. I can just see it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. A whole row here. That's so awesome. Thank you, all of you guys. Anyone else? Just lift their hand. Say, Mark, you're talking to me. Thank you very much. Thank you. Church, would you pray this prayer with me and all of those that raised their hand? Just pray to say, dear Jesus, we love you. We thank you that you came and you died for me. Thank you for giving me of all of my sins. And I ask you to come live in my heart, to be my Lord and Savior. And I want to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you put your hands together for all those that prayed this prayer for the first time? Thank you, thank you. I just want to pray, um, just as we close today, just for anybody that's just saying, you know, as I move into this season, I just need, I need his peace. This helped me this morning, but would you pray for me as we close today? Just stand up real quickly. Say, you're speaking to me. I'm going to walk into the season with a fresh touch of his peace. Just stand really quickly wherever you're at. Why don't you all stand? Cause we all need it. How about that? I'm just going to pray for y'all. I don't care. Come on, Jesus. Lord, we thank you this morning, Lord, for your peace in our life. Lord, I pray for every person in this room, every person online, Lord, that you would give us just a fresh revelation that despite what we face, your peace is all that we need. Jesus, you're all I need and you're all I want. So Father, bless everybody today in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray.
And everybody said, amen, amen. amen.